2: Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now
3: here are your hosts,
4: John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome along. Thursday edition of The Ride Home. Kath and I did a little Siskel and Ebert today and uh, went to the movies in Mount Lebanon. And uh, we saw a horrible film, but a beautiful film. Mm-hmm. Unplanned is the name of the movie. You may have heard of this. Kath, we sat there, I think it was you and I and maybe two other people in the entire theater.
5: Mm -hmm. You got to see it.
4: Yeah, I believe so. I think everyone should see it.
5: You got to see it. I'm so unspeakably grateful that that story was told. And and I mean this, that we didn't have to watch it in some dark basement somewhere. (laughs) Right. I mean... If you've had any involvement or awareness in the anti-abortion movement in America for the last decades, um, this is not for the faint of heart. I mean people are in this um, for pro or con to the death. Yeah. And I don't mean to overstate it. I don't think I am overstating it. Um, But Planned Parenthood has been an adversary for those of us who believe in the beauty of every life. They've been an adversary for decades. And to see Abby Johnson's story put on a movie screen, I just – I was – I'm so glad that human beings get to know that story.
4: Yeah. I mean – it tells a story, which is based upon the book written by Abby Johnson. She, as a young college student coming out of college, started to work as a volunteer, as an escort at Planned Parenthood, taking people, young women, from their cars into the Planned Parenthood facility. Soon, quickly, she became um, a favorite child of the, the clinic where she worked at Planned Parenthood. And then before you knew it, in quick order, uh, she became the director of the Planned Parenthood facility. In the film, she in deep remorse talks about the more than 22,000 abortions that she helped facilitate in the eight years that she was at this facility. The people at uh, 40 days for life stood outside as they do out of most uh, at most Planned Parenthood facilities, prayerfully uh, helping young women look at their lives and bringing them into a, a new light. And that's essentially what happened to Abby Johnson as well after a long and arduous journey. It's a highly recommended movie. It's not cheesy. It doesn't look cheap. The acting is solid. This is a good film. Go see it. From a guy's perspective, I cried often throughout that film. I did. I mean, I was deeply moved. It surprised me how how moved I was.
5: A couple things I really appreciated about Unplanned. Uh, one is that it doesn't shy away from... The truth of how it is. And uh, there are a lot of anti-abortion or pro-life protesters who are absolute jerks and who say horrible things. And they showed that in the movie. Yeah, they did. And so when you are alongside people like that, it is very hard to not be embarrassed. It was impossible to not be embarrassed because they say terrible things.
4: But it also showed – in another light, the humanity of the people who work at Planned Parenthood—that's the other
5: thing I liked about it—is that I, I promise you, not everybody who works at Planned Parenthood is some kind of evil beast or raw, raw person for abortion. Right. I mean, one of the things that the Abby Johnson story shows us is that she went into her work at Planned Parenthood for good reasons. She was trying to help women, right. and she recognized that women who are who find themselves unexpectedly pregnant are in a vulnerable position, and she wanted to be the person that steps in. Now, i got to be honest with you. In some ways, she was miles ahead of a lot of anti-abortion protesters because they act like women are just, I don't know, they should just be told to not have an abortion and then sent on their way. So there is a humanity to... Abby Johnson's story that both sides should hear. I agree. And, you know, if you're if you're a pro-choicer, I think it's so valuable to see the film because you can recognize what actually goes on in an abortion clinic. If you're pro-life, I think it's important to go see the film so that you can recognize what you don't want to be mm-hmm. and what what does not honor this movement. And I think the movie shows all of that. Yeah. I appreciate it.
4: Yeah. I, I think what you're saying is there's a lot of nuance there. Right. You would expect a, a film uh, from a, a pro pro-life perspective to be, you know, a, sort of a sledgehammer and to show caricatures or cartoons of people. But there is none of that. And you see her struggle with her, herself, with her husband, her parents, her whole life.
5: And a lot of times for most of the film, she's not likable to me because she's so easily compartmentalized what she was doing. Right. And I like the fact that they didn't gloss over that either. I agree. I mean, she went to work every day knowing what was going on in that clinic and she kept going to work every day.
4: And to see her husband say, I love you. I love you, but I don't agree with what you're doing. And he stood with her all those years until the change came. Yep. So it's a good film. So please. It really uh, is. It really is a good film. It's been Unplanned. out. It's a third week, I think it's been in theaters. And like I said, that we were one of four people in the theater Um, uh, I don't know how long it'll last at your local theater, but go check it out, please.
5: Yeah. Now, the first week it was out, it was in the top five for the week. Top four. Top four for the week. Uh, The second uh, week it fell to to eight. Um, So... Go see it while you can. Yeah. I mean, first of all, you should see the film. Second of all, make your dollars count. Yeah, exactly. And make uh, movie companies realize how many people want to see a film like this. Very nice.
4: we got a big show for you today. There's yeah, we a sure lot do. planned, uh, much is going on. Take a break, come back, and. Yeah, uh, we're going to
5: talk about abortion. Karen Swallow Prior from Liberty University is going to be with us. She just wrote a piece for Vox Magazine two weeks ago. She says, in 50 years, abortion will be considered unthinkable.
4: Stick around. It's the Ride Home here on Word FM.
6: WORD Coming up on Love Worth Finding Would you like to understand what the book of Revelation reveals?
3: Do we interpret the book of the Revelation literally or symbolically? Which do you think? Well, the answer is both don't think that symbolism somehow discounts the truth of the book. You find out what the symbol stands for, and you literally believe it.
6: Listen to Adrian Rogers' series, The Triumph of the Lamb, this month on Love
7: Worth Finding. Tonight at 11 on 101.5 WORD.
8: Spring is in the air. Spring is everywhere. Hi, it's me, Marcia from the Spring House, and spring is a great time of year on both our farm and our store. It kicks off with farm tours, and we just love sharing our farm with all those precious young folks graduation party season and wedding and shower season start up now too so my sister jill and her catering crew are on the road in our red springhouse fans almost every day delivering homemade country cooking to families all over the tri-county area my brother sam and his farm guys are busy this time of year planting corn and pumpkins and hay along with getting the cows milked and fed two times a day too the springhouse store crew loves serving all the families that come to visit To enjoy our homemade lunches and suppers, to take a zing down our hillside slide, and to top off their experience with a Springhouse ice cream concoction, like a strawberry ice cream shortcake. Come see us and let us share a little of our farm with you at the Springhouse, 724-228-3339 or springhousemarket.com.
4: Robinson Township Christian School celebrates a 40-year legacy of producing college-bound, lifelong learners whose lives are marked by wisdom, knowledge, and a compassion for others. At the airport area's only K-12 classical Christian school, students grow to love learning, think deeply, and communicate effectively from a biblical foundation. Robinson Township Christian School, now enrolling preschool through 12th grade at rtcsonline.org. Creation
9: Fest 2019 is coming. Join us with your family and friends for a weekend of worship like no other. Over 70 artists like Skillet, Hillsong Worship, Crowder, Elevation Worship, Carrie Joe, 10th Avenue North, and Mandisa, as well as over 15 speakers like Bob Lenz, Reggie Dabbs, and David Nasser. Be a part of the Creation Worship experience set in the beautiful mountains of central Pennsylvania. Go to creationfest.com to find out more. That's creationfest.com.
4: Word FM presents the Pittsburgh Prayer Conference, Thursday, May 2nd at 7.30 p.m. through Friday, May 3rd. Join Pastor John Guest and an expert panel of prayer warriors from RPTS, Geneva College, the Biblical Counseling Institute, Impact Christian Church, and more, as we explore and grow in this vital gift and privilege to the church, featuring seven general and two breakout sessions. The Pittsburgh Prayer Conference, May 2nd and 3rd at Christ Church at Grove Farm. Tickets and details at wordfm.com slash prayer. A website that we use and follow every day, read every day, called Vox, they posed a, a very interesting... Cross-section. Yeah, they, they said this. What, they asked 15 experts, what do we do now that will be considered unthinkable in 50 years? I mean, you look back at the history of America, and there are many things that happened 50, 100, 150 years ago. You think, well, how'd this even happen? We
5: talked about it yesterday. So we look back on slavery, and we think...
4: That how, was a thing. How did
5: that happen? A
4: horrific thing.
5: We look back on uh, kids working in the garment district, right, New York City, and we think,
4: really? How about uh, Japanese internment during World right. War II? Things how, that you go. How
5: could we have thought that that was a how? How did people just stand by and let that happen?
4: So, for how many years abortion legal here in the United States? Our first guest today, Karen Swallow-Pryor, who joins us on a regular basis, she wrote this piece for Vox called Abortion Will Be Considered Unthinkable 50 Years From Now, The Moral Case Against Abortion. Karen, welcome back.
5: Thanks for having me. Karen, you write that the list of those who have had few or no legal rights throughout history is staggering. Women, children, orphans, widows, Jews, gays and lesbians, slaves, former slaves, descendants of slaves, those with leprosy, undocumented immigrants, and that's just to name a few. But you say that nothing marks the progress of any society more than the expansion of rights to those who formerly lacked them.
10: And the category that right now has no rights um, is the unborn children, right? Yeah. And so I really do think that, you know, there's a progressive case to be made, a human rights case to be made for the expansion of rights to include the the right of life to unborn children. And that's what I wrote about in the essay, as you said.
5: When I think back, um, actually, I, I remember the first book I read that took place in the Antebellum South. And um, it was just a novel. It was no great work of literature or anything. It was just a novel that was set in Mississippi. But it it put me in the environment of slavery just being a thing. It was just regular life. This was just what society was. And I remember it was so I was maybe in 7th or 8th grade. I was so shocked. Now of course I knew that slavery was a thing, but it's different than kind of putting get being put in that environment mentally and seeing that that's just the way things are. Now I I guess that gives me hope because I look back on that now from our perspective in history and think that that is unthinkable that that happened. I think about the eradication of abortion, though, and I can't imagine it going away. I mean, it, it
10: definitely seems hard, and of course, a lot of people want to focus the question on should it be legal or illegal. And of course, it, you know, I believe that the laws should protect unborn human children, and that, and I do believe that, that, that they will someday. But we, you know, that's not going to happen until we come to see, um, abortion for what it is, just like we came to see slavery for what it is, and, and internment camps for, for what they were. And, um, I think that. You know, one of the things when we look back at history and we see the changes that we have made, um, we often like to think that they occurred because of the goodness of our human heart, <laughs> which, you know, is really not always the case. I mean, yes, while slavery existed, there were people who saw it for the evil that it was, but most people didn't. But one of the other things that happened is the Industrial Revolution came along and made a slavery seem less necessary to those who thought it was necessary. And so I actually think that um, just like, you know, factory farming, and I know that was another um, post that was in that series, um, and abortion, I think that we will come up with things, whether it's technology, or just new attitudes and behaviors, that will replace the ones that lead to abortion. And that's when we'll begin to, then we'll be like, oh, wow, how could we ever have done that?
4: Right. So, so I wonder what that linchpin will be, Karen. Will it be um, artificial intelligence or will it be less and less people having children because of contraception or, or better and
5: better ultrasounds? Or?
4: And so that when a child does come into the right. world, it will be a celebration. I often think about the, the movie Children of Men, where mm. there were no children being born for a number of decades. And then when when one child was born. There was cause for great hope and celebration. Perhaps that will that will happen someday.
10: I mean, it could be a combination of many things. Another option that that people suggest is possibly the existence of artificial wombs um where you know where children are which i'm not necessarily in favor of um but it could be something that would make us think of the willful destruction of an unborn child unthinkable and another thing that is already happening and i and i think i had included a link in the article but there wasn't space to expand on it is that that one reason that is cited for the decline in teenage pregnancy is the decline in which of course does lead to abortion uh, sometimes, um, is the decline in teenage sexual activity, which is the result of technology. That mm-hmm. Kids are spending more time on their technology, less time socializing, less time with one another face-to-face, which is not necessarily good, um, but um, technology is kind of replacing actual flesh-and-blood human interaction for good or ill, um, and... That's result- helping to result in fewer unwanted pregnancies. And although that's not necessarily good, it will help us to see why abortion
4: is bad. So I wonder if this would ever become a you know, a true sanctity of life issue, right? That that all of us all of us here on this earth looked at life as precious and holy and something to be celebrated, upheld as opposed to the planned parenthood narrative of well, it's just a blob of tissue or until the child uh, comes out of the birth canal, it's not really alive because even that's under attack today.
10: I mean, again, I think even even with the issue of slavery and other things, there have always been people who rec- in a culture that recognize that, and other people only come around when you know when society changes and the laws change. I mean, that's just human nature. And um, once once the once the truth prevails, um, with assistance from other you know cultural changes, then I think it will be easier for those who are reluctant to see it to see it. Um, but you know that i think i think one form of human evil um you know, we recognize it, and then something else comes along. So there will always be something to grapple with. But I, I really do believe that we will recognize abortion for what it is
11: one Dr. day
5: soon. Dr. Karen Swallow-Prior with us, professor in the English department at Liberty University and a senior fellow at Liberty University's Center for Apologetics and Cultural Engagement. Her latest book is called On Reading Well, Finding the Good Life Through Great Books. Karen, uh, John and I went to see Unplanned today. Have you seen it yet? I saw it yesterday. Okay.
10: Is it, it, yeah it's it's really a powerful film i i I sure you know I don't see a lot of Christian films, but um this is this one really exceeded my expectations it was it was very compelling,
5: yeah, I thought it was too. There was one scene in it that was particularly memorable for me um and it's actually it's a scene that repeats maybe twice or maybe even three times in the movie. Um, it's the recovery room for women who've just had abortions, uh, at the Planned Parenthood Mm -hmm. clinic in Texas, where the story takes place. And, um, it's a bunch of women, all sorts of different ages sitting in little like, uh, pink hospital gowns. And they're all in some state of, you know, decreased mental acuity Mm -hmm. because of the procedure they've been in. And they all look dazed, Mm -hmm. dazed. And I thought as I thought as I was looking at that, um, that somehow like that's the real story. That's what goes on. But Mm -hmm. somehow in society, we have sold this as some kind of freedom for women.
10: Yes. And, you know, that's why um, in, in the article I talk about not just the humanity of the unborn child, but. The harm that abortion does to women. Um, you know, there's an old quote a, a long time ago from uh, a, another pro life friend, Frederica Matthews Green, and I'm just I'm gonna you know I'm not gonna get it right, but she she says something like you know a woman does not want an abortion like she wants a new car or an ice cream cone. She wants an abortion like an animal caught in a trap wants to gnaw off its own leg. Hmm. That's how women want abortion. Right. So it's not because it's.
4: Yeah. So, Karen, as you look yeah. forward in the article for Vox and as a, an English professor who is well versed in, in uh, classic literature, I wonder, uh, are there are there works of literature that you know of that are, you know, in the past that talk about that write about abortion, fictionalized or not? You
10: know, there actually there is a surprising number of works of art and literature that deal with abortion i actually have a friend who um who's tracking all of these and and doing a better job of it than i am because he he reads more modern literature but even i mean i went to see an obscure opera a few years ago and couldn't believe that the culminating point in the story revolved around abortion Mm -hmm. i just finished a a popular murder mystery listening to it on audio and it culminates in an abortion. Um, Literature, you know, we've got Ernest Hemingway's um, Hills Like White Elephants um, uh, is one of the first ones that comes to my mind. Um, There are a number of writers who even if in their stories, they don't talk about abortion. There are abortions in, in their lives. Hmm. Um, Abortion is, is central to our culture and our history in a way that we have yet to grapple with. And when we do, when we do, I, I just think, we will be amazed and shocked that we put up with it for so long.
4: I mean, I'm interested in it because, you know, one of the the narratives of Planned Parenthood, well, if abortion was outlawed, there would still be abortion, right? The the back alley abortionist has always existed. So if you take away, you know, the free, uh, the access of uh, safe and rare abortion that Planned Parenthood promotes, well, then women will still find a way.
5: Yeah, except that it's not safe or rare. Right, exactly.
10: Um, I mean, that's another point that I make in in this article is that um, I think the people who sought to legalize abortion, you know, decades ago would never have actually imagined how common it would become. I mean, we're in the 80s. We were at a rate of of one in three women of childbearing age had an abortion by the time they reached the end of their childbearing years. Wow, wow. Now it's down to one in four, which is better, but that's still, I mean, that is how much abortion is entangled into our culture. It affects all of our lives, whether directly or indirectly, um, and so it's certainly not rare. Hmm.
5: The uh, way that you conclude your article, Karen, this is this is just so good. I feel like I just have to read it right now. It says this. Our modern-day willingness to settle for sex apart from commitment, to accept the dereliction of duty by men who impregnate women, for men are the primary beneficiaries of liberal abortion laws, and to uphold the systematic suppression of sex as creative energy and function are practices that people of other ages would have considered bizarre. As we enter late modernity and recognize the limits of the radical autonomy and individualism which have defined it, the the pendulum will correct itself with a swing toward more communitarian and humane values that recognize the interdependency of all humans. And when we do, we will look back at elective abortion and wonder, as we do now with polluting and with smoking, why we so wholeheartedly embraced it. Hmm. Karen, that's so good.
10: Well, thank you. I was I was honored and privileged that Box asked me to write this piece and um, it's a great opportunity and um, I have you know a friend uh, very active in the pro-life movement who um, who thinks that you know, this article may, we may look back and, 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 and see it its prediction came true. And that's my hope and prayer.
4: I'm into that. Karen Swallow Pryor, her latest book is called On Reading Well, Finding the Good Life through Through Great Books. Karen, always a pleasure. Thanks for being with us.
10: Thank you for having me.
4: The Vox piece that Karen Swallow Pryor wrote, abortion will be considered unthinkable 50 years from now, the moral case against abortion.
11: Across America, it's snoring season. Right now, 90 million Americans make this sound every night. Snoring can be caused by breathing through your mouth when you sleep. If you have a blocked or narrow nose, then you're more likely to open your mouth to breathe, causing snoring. Thankfully, there's mute. An ingenious Australian invention that could quiet the snoring season once and for all. Mute is a comfortable nasal breathing device that sits inside the nose supporting your airway and keeping it open while you sleep. You'll breathe more easily through your nose and snore less. In fact, in trials 75% of couples reported a reduction in snoring when using Mute, allowing them both a better night's sleep. Put snoring season to bed, America.
2: Available at Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid and other fine stores. For more information go to MuteSnoring.com Mute, breathe more, snore less, sleep better.
9: Creation Fest 2019 is coming. Join us with your family and friends for a weekend of worship like no other. Over 70 artists like Scud, Tilsong Worship, Crowder, Elevation Worship, 10th Avenue North, Mendisa, Carrie Joe, and Ledger. As well as over 15 speakers like Bob Lenz, Reggie Dabbs, and David Nasser. part of the creation worship experience set in the beautiful mountains of central pennsylvania next summer for four days of music camping and family fun creation festival is returning to agape farm in central pennsylvania june 26 through the 29th go to creationfest.com to find out more that's creationfest.com
2: it will be the highlight of your
9: summer maybe even your life
2: Got issues with youth or high school sports?
7: Positive Coaching Alliance can help. PCA, a national nonprofit, offers more than a 1,000 free online
3: resources for youth and high school sports coaches, parents, students, and administrators. Visit PCADevZone.org. Listen to your favorite Christian programs anytime on the OnePlace app. Download and listen offline. Stream to your car or automated home device. Download OnePlace at Google Play or the iTunes App Store.
11: Mostly cloudy, but quite mild for tonight. The low 56 will stay rather cloudy tomorrow. Breezy and warm with a couple of showers and thunderstorms around through the early evening hours. The high tomorrow 72 will turn out partly cloudy tomorrow night with a low of 50. Then for Saturday, a mix of clouds and sun. Highs right around 70 degrees. With Iraqi weather forecast, I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle.
4: In the famously left of center city of San Francisco, Liberals are battling liberals over these Depression-era frescoes that have offended some groups. The works are hanging at the George Washington High School in San Francisco, 13 murals that make up the life of George Washington. They were created in the mid-1930s by Victor Artunov, a social realist for the Works Progress Administration, WPA, an agency that was created under Franklin Delano Roosevelt, for the uh, New Deal that provided public work jobs for the unemployed during the Great Depression. In one of the murals, George Washington points westward over the dead body of a Native American. Another depicts George Washington's slaves hunched over working in the fields of Mount Vernon, These images are not in the museum. They are in this high school, and they have hung there since the 1930s. However, there are many now in the San Francisco community who say enough is enough. It's time to take these murals down. Virginia Marshall, who's president of the San Francisco Alliance of Black School Educators, said Archana's paintings remind her of my great-great-grandfather and great-great-grandmother who were beaten and hung from trees, told that they were less than human. Of the 2004 students at Washington High, most are Asian-Americans. 89 are African-Americans. Four are Native Americans. One of them is Ms. Anderson's son, who she said keeps his head down when he passes by the murals. But scholars see something else in the murals, history. Robert Cherney, an emeritus professor of history at San Francisco State University, said the author of Victor Artanoff and the Politics of Art, points to the artist's critique of Washington. Artinoff was a major artist, an artist who was being very critical of Washington for owning slaves and was critical of the genocide of Native Americans. And so these... these That's
5: what I was thinking when I saw them. I right. thought, well, they could have easily he could have easily painted these without putting the slaves in there or without putting the Native American. He put them in there for a reason.
4: But exactly. So there has been a hearing with the San Francisco Board of Education and after hearing from both sides of the uh, liberal electorate the committee has issued a statement that said the artwork quote glorifies slavery genocide colonization manifest destiny white supremacy oppression etc and does not represent the San Francisco's schools values of social justice so it seems to uh, point towards a hearing another hearing now and that's, uh, that- a- and perhaps soon over the summer, the painting over of these murals. Okay.
5: That is a person, whoever wrote that piece, that, that statement that you read, doesn't spend a lot of time in art museums because there is every manner of injustice, of uh, of cultural misappropriation that happens in art all the time. Right. I mean, it's art, it's history. That's what it's supposed, it's giving you a message.
4: Well, the committee is worried that the murals trigger children, and by triggering them, will send them into some sort of worry or fear.
5: Okay. I I think that it would be appropriate to put a statement about the art next to the art. I don't
4: know. Look, art is supposed to, in instances, disturb us. Mm -hmm. Are they not? I mean, even... Even liberal artists. I mean, you know, you think about the, the Robert
5: Mapplethorpe. I think he Robert was going. I think he was going for the disturbing. Well,
4: they, 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 the 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 cross, the, the crucifix in urine. I mean, no one's outraged about that anymore because that's you know passed through Yeah, but through
5: people its were day. very r- outraged by it at first. But again, that was the point. He was making a point. Yes. Well, we got it. Yeah. Now this guy, I don't, I f- I forget the name of the artist. Artinoff. Well, then I feel you know he's making a point.
4: Yeah. Well. You look at 1930, right? 1930 WPA, FDR, employing a lot of different my, – my grandfather was part of the WPA. Uh, a lot of people who were artists or just laborers earned their living for almost a decade because of the WPA. And for these murals to hang in a high school of all places all these years, how many children were triggered over those years? And famously, this is liberal San Francisco. I don't know. I
5: feel yeah. like we're getting dumber though because we're too afraid to look at the nuances of the past. I, I just The past is the past. The past is the past and it was messed up. So George Washington is a is a a hero because he was the first president of the United States, but he wasn't perfect. No. And so if we're going to paint these glorious portraits of him as some sort of, you know, saint that's descended, then that's not the real thing. So a a a painting of him with slaves in the background
4: Tells it like it, it is. Tells it like
5: it is. So we have to know that. We have to know that George Washington was a good man and a bad man at the same time. Right.
4: I mean, you know, there are parallels to this. Of look, it happened here in the city of Pittsburgh. It's happened in cities all over the country where there have been uh, statues that have been right. removed from the public sphere. Uh, okay. Uh, do, do you have See, a problem with like, that? I don't like that. I don't have I a problem. I feel like I, I don't just, have a problem. With I it. feel
5: like it just makes us dumber.
4: I don't think it makes us dumber. Look, when if you were like, – like this just happened recently in New Orleans after a, a long protracted legal battle where there were Civil War heroes from the South featured, uh, featured prominently in major thoroughfares and, and uh, areas of New Orleans. And those statues were taken down. Okay. It, believe me. Uh, I'm not African-American. So when I see those, uh, those statues, they don't affect me the way that they would affect no. African-Americans in New but Orleans. But wouldn't
5: you be – I shouldn't ask you if you wouldn't you be. I would say I think, though, I and I get why they're upsetting. There's I mean, I get that. But wouldn't it be great to see right next to a statue of a civil war hero, a civil rights hero? Wouldn't that tell the story better because you'd show them both?
4: Perhaps it would. Yeah. But it's easier to remove the statues instead of spending money and erecting. Them I know, but I think
5: that's a, I think that that's a I get it. But I think it's a poorer choice for the good of our culture.
4: I don't think you do us as a nation any good by using a huge eraser on public spaces.
5: Well, what do we le- what, what's the famous quote about history? If you don't learn it, you're going to repeat it. Right. So if you, if you in your head, think that George Washington was perfect, then you're going to think that we're going to have, elect some president who is going to be perfect. Yeah. Well, no president's going to be perfect. And if you look back and see a painting of George Washington with slaves in the background, it'll remind you, oh, wait. He wasn't perfect either.
4: Now, when I look at these murals at the uh, high school at George Washington High in San Francisco, they remind me in many ways of the style. You know when you go inside the Carnegie Museum? and uh, inside, On the walls? Yes. Mm-hmm. Those beautiful murals. Gorgeous? They're gorgeous. They're, they are of the same style, yeah. the same era. Mm-hmm. To think that that's the we would wor- wash those the, over.
5: Those are the workers. It's, the, it's like the steel a- mill. Yeah, it's like a it's a huge panoply of people who mm-hmm. are workers in an steel. It's like you're right, an ode to labor. It's very beautiful. It's in the if you've never been to the museum, it's in a hallway right. that goes up 3 stories. It was
4: once the main entrance to the library or the museum, yes. Then they built, you know, the addition back in the 70s. But to walk in there and to see those, you think, oh, that's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, it is beautiful. Now to see these to see George Washington depicted this way, the artist you know subversively, I'm sure people when that was when they were unveiled in the in the early nineteen thirties, few people made the connection between George Washington's slave owner George Washington whatever you want to you know paint him as but if
5: the artist is being honest, then it will stand throughout history, and you will see more things in it right. so now we see the slaves in this painting, and we think. Oh yeah. Even if they didn't notice that 50 years ago, it doesn't mean that there was anything wrong with the painting. It means there was something wrong with the people looking at it that they didn't notice.
4: That they weren't as informed or supposedly enlightened as mm-hmm. you and I are, or the rest of society now.
5: But if you go and look at that that uh, mural that's at the Carnegie, not every steel worker was strong and beautiful, and ever, I mean it's art, right? So it's trying to it's trying to send some sort of message. It's not just it's not only a depiction of actual reality. It's an artistic rendering of it. Right. So, so
4: you can bet in San Francisco that most likely, if you're, you know, if you're placing odds, these murals will be painted over. I hope over. that's not true. I hope it's not true, too. I hope it's not right? true. The, 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 It'd be
5: better to talk about it. What if you took your, your classroom out there and said, okay, everybody look at this and tell me what you see. Yeah.
4: Take a break. Come back. Uh, Gavin Ortland is with us in a few minutes. Uh, we're going to talk about listening. How to listen well. It's a skill set that's gone away. I keep away.
5: trying to talk to you.
11: WORD Dr. Michael Youssef the
6: very God who created all of the iron in the world was nailed by these irons
0: the very God who created all of the timber and all of the wood in the world, they used that wood to make a cross for him you talk about injustice you talk about unfairness you talk about his right to walk away this was
11: it Be challenged this week on Leading the Way.
7: Tomorrow morning at
2: 6.30 on 101.5 WORD. Jen had a very busy day today, really busy. First, she dropped her kids off at daycare. Then she had a few minutes before yoga class for a coffee.
8: Small latte, please.
2: And then she saved a few lives.
6: Nurse, two units, no negative.
2: One, an injured child. Another, a cardiac patient, and then, a premature baby. All because Jen logged on to BloodScienceFoundation.org and made a financial donation.
10: There, done.
2: You see, local blood donors provide only about half of what is needed to treat patients. The other half has to be purchased and relies on financial donations from people like you. And Jen.
11: Ooh, cake pops.
2: So, what have you done today? To make a financial donation that saves lives, visit BloodScienceFoundation.org. Blood Science Foundation, giving from the heart.
0: Introducing the new $5 Biggie Bag from Wendy's. It comes with a new bacon double stack made with a quarter pound of fresh, never frozen beef and topped with crispy apple with smoked bacon, plus four nuggets, fries, and a drink, all for just five bucks. That's right, just $5. The new $5 Biggie Bag from Wendy's is everything you could ever want, well, at least for lunch. Try Wendy's new $5 Biggie Bag today. Biggie Bag includes four-piece nuggets, small fries, and a small drink. Fresh beef available in the contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. Approximate weight before cooking. Price and participation may vary in Alaska and Hawaii. Sight & Sound Theaters invites you to a special
6: event. Come to movie theaters nationwide for three days only.
7: Noah, I will cover the earth with a great flood. A flood. You must build an
0: ark. Come on board for one of the world's best-known voyages in this original stage production filmed in front of a live audience.
1: Lord, thank you. I couldn't have done any of this without you. Noah
0: in movie theaters nationwide for three days only. For locations, visit
4: noahevent.com. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs, like hauling landscape supplies. Protect your vehicle with spray-on bed liners, tonneau covers, weather tech floor liners, and more. Say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with Extreme Detailing. Plus, lift kits, electronics, and remote starters. Always a favorite. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville. For the extreme in all of us. At ExtremeTruck.net.
2: The market goes up. And the market goes down. But one thing remains the same. Record low unemployment means there are still more job openings than people to fill them. And that means you have leverage. They're vying for your attention at WordFM's Virtual Job Fair. Visit WordFM.com slash virtual for great local companies ready to offer you an employment upgrade. Isn't it time you got a raise? The Virtual Job Fair, where many are called, but you are chosen at WordFM.com slash virtual.
4: It's hard to break through the din of conversation, information, talk, 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 the 21st century world that we live in. It is the rare person among us who can sit and listen well. That's a skill, I believe, that is a teachable skill. It's a skill of awareness, but it's a skill that has fallen deeply by the wayside. Pastor Gavin Ortland is back with us. Gavin is a regular guest on our show. He is the pastor of First Baptist Church of Ojai in Ojai, California. He blogs regularly at com, and he wrote a wonderful piece about listening, how to listen well. Gavin, welcome back to the show.
12: Hey, good to be with you guys.
4: Thank you. We'll sit back and listen.
3: <laughs>
5: I keep trying to talk to John, Gavin. I don't know what to do. He just keeps yapping and yapping. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so, Gavin, it's hard... I think it's rare, actually, to find a really good listener.
12: Yeah, I think so, too. Um, And that's been part of what led to my writing on this is just thinking it's really difficult, and also that it's really important to be good listeners. I think being in a leadership role has probably been the main thing for me that has helped me appreciate how important it is to listen. Because when you're leading people, you just need to be, you know, it's challenging, you have to Pick up on the dynamics that are going on. You're interacting with all different kinds of people, some of whom are very vocal, others of whom are not. So you have to adjust your conversation style with different people. Um, You have to set boundaries with some, and then you have to pursue others. And um, I just think listening is one of those things that is really easy to assume. You know, we just assume, well, if I'm hearing their words, therefore I'm listening. And sometimes it's helpful because it is so important to. Um, you know, revisit that and say, how am I doing as a listener? Is this a skill that I'm that I'm doing well? And not to assume that, because in my view, it's really, and I've seen this in my own life, and I've seen this in others as well. It's so easy to overlook, and and um, overlook how important it is and how difficult it is.
4: I would imagine, Gavin, as a pastor, you have the opportunity to listen a lot. People seek out your counsel, but first they need to tell their story. So uh, to be a good listener... It requires something that um, is akin to work, right? People would think that maybe perhaps a good listener is just lazy, that they are sitting back from the conversation and then waiting for their turn. But I, I think maybe what you're talking about in your piece, that that's the total opposite, that good listeners are willing to sit back and listen hard so they take in what's necessary so they can respond.
12: Exactly. Yeah, I think it takes emotional energy. It's a way to serve someone just in the same way that if you're serving them in a practical way, like mowing someone's yard or washing someone's car for them, it takes time, it takes effort. I actually think being a good listener is a way to serve people, and it takes energy. And sometimes we don't want to do it. That you know, the lazier way to do things probably is just to talk, <laughs> just say whatever we think, or just, or just not even think about it. Just kind of just function in whatever way is natural. And um, I do think it takes a lot of energy to really. Absorb the nuances of what people are saying. Um, really notice, you know, some of the things that I've seen sometimes in my own life and in others. That's really tragic, is when someone in a Christian community, like a church, is suffering and no one notices, and they don't mm. know how to reach out for help. And so, just the importance of those fine-tuned skills of listening and observing, and being able to say, "Hey, you know, I noticed when we were praying." The word hopeless came up, and I was just wondering, how are you doing? How are you feeling? And then, really entering into someone's experience and saying, I'm not going to filter this through my own preconceived categories. You know, I'm not going to assume that, oh, they're suffering, therefore it's just like what I went through. Um, I'm really going to step into their world and say what is their experience? And and I think that's a ministry we can have to people to really listen. I think when people are hurting, that itself can go a long way to to helping them.
5: Hmm. Gavin, what do you think about the preponderance of talking and not asking? It seems like that's a lot of the problem in all sorts of miscommunication between people, in issues between teacher and student, professor and student, pastor and congregant um
4: what what do you mean not asking
5: well it just seems as if we are eager to and maybe it's a social media world we're eager to kind of opine about what our view on something is without asking a question about maybe why something happened like it did
12: yeah yeah it it seems like that can be a real easy default for us based upon our culture and the uh value for self-expression that is in our culture which seems like it's more of a value for us in the modern West than it has been in other cultures. I think of, like, Eastern cultures where self-expression really isn't uh, thought of as we do. Um, So I think it's a real danger for us to get too much in that mode where we just want to share our own thoughts and we don't really value someone else's contribution. And I would even say I think that if we are – If the gospel is really at work in our hearts day to day, it will create, I think, a desire to listen because it creates a humility that communicates, I don't already have all the answers, Hmm. you know. I'm going to approach a conversation or a person with the awareness that whatever I see, um, it it may be 80%, it may be 90%, it may be 10%, but I really don't see 100% because I'm not God. Um, And so I'm going to go into a situation or a relationship, uh, you know, humbly saying, I've still got more to learn. I've still got more to listen. And um, I think if we do that, it's amazing the things that we'll pick up on sometimes. Mm -hmm.
4: Pastor Gavin Ortland is with us. He is the pastor at uh, Baptist Church of Ojai in Ojai, California. So uh, speaking of the gospel, which you did just a second ago, uh, Gavin, is there, and I'm sure there is. There has to be a biblical imperatives, right? Uh, the Bible must speak about listening.
12: Yes. I think the book of Proverbs is really useful. Um, Proverbs, of course, teaches us a lot about wisdom. And one of the things that it speaks about a lot is listening. For example, um, uh, Proverbs twelve fifteen says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But a wise man listens to advice. Um, <laughs> mm. I heard someone once define uh, humility as teachableness. And I thought that is really a great way to get at one of the things that humility produces in our lives is we're l- willing to listen to advice, to appropriate new information, um, to not write off opinions that might strike us as wrong right away, but, but sit with it a little bit, give it some time, mull over it a little bit. In my writing, I have to practice this when I get critical feedback sometimes because <laughs> it's easy to look at the feedback someone might give you on a, a manuscript or a blog post. And you might disagree with it at first, but what I've learned can be valuable is to give it a couple of days to mm-hmm. think through and kind of say, okay, how are they approaching this? You know, what's on their heart? What are the values that are that they're thinking about that I'm not necessarily thinking about? Maybe there's a, a reader demographic that the editor is aware of um, and how something I've written will strike that demographic, you know, uh, single people or something like that. And I'm not thinking of that because I'm not an editor and they're more aware of that. And so I need to really take some time to kind of try to step into their shoes and see the world through their eyes and really listen. And um, I just think that's a really important skill for just throughout life, relationships, work setting, ministry, To really you know picking up the nuances of what people around us are saying asking questions Um, you know when someone uses a particular word or describes a particular experience not saying oh well because I know what that word means or I think I know what it means or because I've had an experience like that I know what they mean and I'm interpreting their words through my own experiences but rather saying, they might have had an experience I've not had. They might be using that word in a different sense and just really carefully listening. And as I say, I think it's just amazing sometimes the things we'll pick up on.
5: Gavin Ortland, senior pastor of First Baptist Church of Ojai in Ojai, California. He blogs regularly, gavinortland.com. Gavin, thank you, my friend, for being here.
12: Oh, great to be with you guys. Thank you so much.
4: Always our pleasure. We love listening to Gavin Ortland, he is a man of humility and wisdom. And I bet he's a good listener, John. Do you think he is? (laughs) Uh, He listens to us. (laughs) Take it as it may. We're here
2: at creditrepair.com, the most recognized name in the industry when it comes to resolving credit report issues and getting that credit score up. With me I got Aaron. Aaron, what happens when people call creditrepair.com?
8: A lot. Just one call gets any listener a free credit score, free credit report, and a free personalized credit evaluation right over the phone. In just a few minutes, you'll know exactly what's hurting your credit and get a personalized game plan to help restore it.
2: And that can make a huge difference when it comes to getting those things that we want, like a new car, a new new house or even a brand new job.
8: Absolutely. Your credit score is one of the first things lenders look at. And our proven process can help remove those unfair or inaccurate items like late payments and collections from your credit report. In fact, on average, people who have used our service have seen significant improvement in their credit scores month after month.
7: What are you waiting for? Call creditrepair.com today. Call 800-851-5318. That's 800-851-5318. 800-851-5318.
4: It's where us ahead. Terra meets the Nile and the Mediterranean Sea. Only here exist the perfect conditions for growing the finest cotton in the world. I'm John Hall. Nowhere else can you find cotton so luxuriously soft and light, yet super strong, and able to hold deep, vibrant colors, wash after wash. It's this very cotton Mike Lindell has used to create my pillow's Giza Dreams bed sheets. Try them once, and you'll never want to sleep on anything else again. And right now, get a special 30% off MyPillow Dream Sheets with free shipping. Use promo code WORD when you call 800-391-0954 or place your order at MyPillow.com. 60-day money-back guarantee if you're not completely satisfied. Call 800-391-0954 or visit MyPillow.com and be sure to use promo code WORD for 30% off plus free shipping. Sweet dreams from my pillow. This is the Entertainment Answer. What are Hugh Jackman's favorite
2: moments in the new animated film, Missing Link? I think my favorite moments in the movie are the interactions between my character and Mr. Link. I think that odd couple relationship is funny. I love Zach's performance, and I just love seeing these two characters gradually start to get to know each other and understand each other and develop a friendship, and it's funny. Missing Link, rated PG in theaters April 12th. For this Entertainment Answer, I'm Matt Mungle. Hey, Mike, how's the house coming along? (sighs) needs a ton of work. The pipes are leaking. needs a new roof. The A.C. just broke. I just don't have time to do it all myself. You know anyone? Oh, just ask HomeAdvisor. They match you with the best local pros for any home project. Cool. Yeah, you can read reviews and book appointments online. What's
3: the cost? Actually, HomeAdvisor is always free to use. Nice. I'll check it out.
11: Go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free app. Okay, so it's only one game. You
5: guys, relax. Yeah, but,
4: you know, it was really exciting because they came back and they tied it with like a minute with on an empty netter. I know. And you think, okay, we got this. No. And then it goes away. So the pens are down 1 nothing.
5: Yeah. All right. Okay, so we all picked Phil Kessel as being the player of the game. I would not say he was the player of the game, but he did score first, which was awesome. I f- he had a great I, sure I think he had a good game. And I felt good about our prediction at that point. Yeah. Um, I thought Malkin had a great game. Mm hmm. It was great to see Dumoulin back before he almost got his head taken off mm-hmm. at one point. Which
11: was which should have been a penalty.
5: That, how is that not a penalty? I don't. I didn't get that. I don't yeah. understand penalties in hockey. No, I don't get it. it I really subjective. don't get it. I feel like I watch a lot of hockey yeah. and I still don't get it. They're right. very
4: subjective. I don't, okay, so I'm watching the game last night, and I'm super tense as always. And of course, you're thinking. Why are we subjecting ourselves to this this, tension over and over again? And then and then (laughs) say, you know, you're fortunate and the pens, move forward after forward, you know, move forward. And so we're going to be tens from now until June.
5: Yeah, that's what we're looking for. We're we're pretty much looking for two and a half months of tension. I don't want that. No, I I think. No, no, we do. No, it's
4: not. not, I don't. It's worth it. I mean, I know you have to invest in it, but I I, I think I, I had to go outside for a walk.
5: Did you really? I did.
4: I did. <laughs> I took the dog out.
5: I had to close my eyes at one point. Uh huh. I did. I not I, not in fear. I just because I was tired. It was exhausting. Once once Schultz scored right before the end of the game, I was so thrilled. And then once it went into overtime, I thought I had to close my eyes for a little bit. This See, is that's so funny because I painful. was
11: I was laying back on my couch, relaxing, just watching what? it. What I See, was? the opposite? I mean, the... I was. I mean, still it was still slightly tense, but I, I think no, not I think I know that this. It's a, it's the best of seven, so we have a lot of time. I know and we it was do. just game one, you know.
4: But the world is tense enough as it is. I mean, I, we're I, just
5: inviting more tension into exactly. our lives. Exactly, we're multiplying yeah. the tension. It's, it's like good, we're isn't, it? isn't it? Isn't good? No, it, it's, it's so horrific. Worth it. I don't it's so like good. it. I do not like it. No, well, so you're not going to watch any more games.
4: <laughs> well, I, here's 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 the deal. I won't feel bad if I miss a game or two.
5: Oh come on! I
4: won't feel bad. John! I'm not.
5: You're missing you, out. You're no, I'm not fair missing out. fan. I'm not a fair weather fan. You were just. Harped yesterday about how you wanted to go down to Mario's TV.
4: I will do that because that's kind of like – Oh, like cause
5: that's not going to be tense. Well – You're right. Being surrounded by 2,000 screaming people. That's not going to be tense.
4: You know what I did? You know what I did? Last night when I woke up – I woke up this morning at like 3.20. Yeah. You know why I woke up? Why? I was grinding my teeth <laughs> – you know why I was grinding my teeth? Because we lost the game. I'm sure overtime. it had to be, you know, residual angst. So by the end of the playoffs, I might have little nubs. I might okay. have baby teeth. Okay, let me say this:
5: after <laughs> I a game like that, after a game like that, you know what happens to me? Hmm. I get the munchies. Oh. I do too. Yeah. Oh, really? I start to oh, yeah. get really hungry. I think I've been, I, I think I've been burning no. calories with all the tension. No. And then when it's over, I decide I need to eat something.
4: Really? I'm like I don't I'm the opposite. I'm like so exhausted. I'm like crawling into bed, you know. My poor wife's like laying next to me uh, oh, who won the game? I'm like I, I can't talk about it. Hey, now. speaking
5: of the pen, so Ron Burkle is in talks to purchase the National Enquirer. What? Oh, that's weird. What? Okay, so. That's, that is weird.
4: Ron Burkle's the co owner with Mario, right? right? Uh-huh. So we're, we're going to see an expose of Yammer Yager, right?
5: All right? There's not yeah. going to be an expose of Sidney Crosby because there's nothing to say. He's
4: got nothing. That's the way we like it. I hope Ron Burkle doesn't buy the I National Enquirer. So. When's the last time just- you read the National Enquirer?
5: Never. I have never, what? ever opened a National Enquirer. Never, Inquirer like in, in, my my in the checkout life. line?
4: Never. Oh, come on. No. In the checkout line. That is a
5: ridiculous publication. Of course it is,
4: but you know, it used to be like, you know, Three-headed alien visits so quickly. Now it's like real news and you go, well, oh, I miss the aliens.
11: Sharing the word that changes the world. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group.
3: With SRN News, I'm Greg Clugston in Washington. Ohio's governor has signed a pro life bill into law. It's called the Heartbeat Bill and bans abortions after the first detectable fetal heartbeat. Republican Governor Mike DeWine followed through on his pledge to sign the measure, which passed the state legislature yesterday. WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange was arrested in London and hauled into court today. British Prime Minister Theresa May says Julian Assange was not arrested just for skipping bail in the U.K.
10: Arrested for breach of bail after nearly seven years in the Ecuadorian embassy. He
11: has also been arrested in relation to an extradition request from the United States
3: authorities. During White House talks with the visiting president of South Korea, President Trump today said he's hopeful of working out a good deal with North Korea's leader. The two men discussed nuclear diplomacy in the Oval Office. Wall Street, the Dow, off by 14 points. This is SRN News. The following
7: is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. It's
9: probably been about 10 years ago. I had quite a few credit cards. The
5: interest on the cards was really high. I was making the minimum payments, but barely. And it was just getting to be too much, so I called Trinity.
7: If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-936-5496 to talk to a certified counselor. They
5: met with me, and they were able to get
7: 800
0: This is Chris Abernethy of Abernethy & Hagerman. You don't want the government deciding what happens to your estate or how much they will take. At Abernethy & Hagerman, estate administration is the heart and soul of our practice. We have the experience to help not only plan, but administer your estate properly to protect your assets, minimize taxes, and ensure that your inheritance gets to the ones you love. Decide for yourself, Abernethy and Hagerman, legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit
2: a-h.law. Five years ago, a National Barna Omnipole discovered that 77% of evangelicals believe we're now living in the end times as described by the Bible. But how can we really know? Don't miss the most comprehensive, in-depth, prophetic end-time seminar anywhere. You'll be amazed at how much information God's Word provides. This informative end-time seminar begins Saturday, May 11th in the morning at Christ Church at Grove Farm. To learn more, go to endtimeseminar.com. That's endtimeseminar.com.
4: Robinson Township Christian School celebrates a 40-year legacy of producing college-bound, lifelong learners whose lives are marked by wisdom, knowledge, and a compassion for others. At the airport area's only K-12 classical Christian school, students grow to love learning, think deeply, and communicate effectively from a biblical foundation. Robinson Township Christian School, now enrolling preschool through 12th grade at rtcsonline.org.
5: Love one another as I have loved you. That's what Jesus said, but it's going to take a lot of prayer to make it happen. Join us Thursday, May 2nd, as we celebrate the National Day of Prayer, 6.15 p.m. at Christ Church at Grove Farm. An hour of music, prayer, and exhortation as we call on God to move in our hearts and heal our land. Free and open to the public, come join us for this special one-hour kickoff celebration to mark the official start of the Pittsburgh Prayer Conference.
11: Details at Word fm.com/prayer Mostly cloudy but quite mild for tonight the low 56 will stay rather cloudy tomorrow breezy and warm with a couple of showers and thunderstorms around through the early evening hours the high tomorrow 72 will turn out partly cloudy tomorrow night with a low of 50 then for Saturday a mix of clouds and sun highs right around 70 degrees with Iraqi weather forecast I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle.
2: Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on
3: 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy
4: Emmons. Greetings. Good afternoon. You know, we've gotten used to the warm weather and the sunny skies. It's fabulous, is it not? I haven't worn a coat in three days. Oh, my goodness gracious. You know what? Before I put my winter coats away, I want to put it like a $20 bill in every pocket.
5: Oh, so you can like it's a gift to your future self. So
4: come November, I'll go, oh, oh, look at that. I found that $20 bill. But oh. then I, I won't forget. So but wouldn't that be good? That
5: would, I know? like that idea. So I'll just
4: find like a ball of lint and an old receipt from get go. Right.
5: <laughs> <laughs> so it's been a long time since we went to the movies. You and I. Yeah.
4: Yeah, we... well, it might have
5: been, is it the first time? No no. No. no, no. no, no. We went to see The Road. <laughs> Cormac <laughs> McCarthy. <laughs> but we, we specialize in happy films. We never we?
4: go see like, you know, whoa, well, that's a really fun <laughs> oh, we, film.
5: You should go see no. like. A, well, you wouldn't go see The Greatest Showman with me and Mike. That's no, why. I
4: would not, no. <laughs> Although that's a fine film, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So uh, Kath and I went to uh, Mount Lebanon today up at the uh, Galleria. We saw the 1255 uh, showing of Un- uh, Unplanned. Go see this film. I mean, it's a heartbreak. I don't think I've really... It's been a long, long time. You know what's surprising? When you cry at a movie, I'm surprised by the depth of emotion that I have that comes upon me as I'm watching the movie. I mean, all of a sudden, you know, you don't, emotion's weird like that, isn't it? You're yeah. not even thinking about it, and all of a sudden, mm-hmm. I find myself weeping. Yeah. Such is this movie, because it tells the true story of a young woman, Abby Johnson who for eight years was the director of a Planned Parenthood facility in Texas, was the single um, most, lack of a better word, productive Planned Parenthood facility in Mm -hmm. the country. Over her eight years, Abby Johnson, by her own estimation, helped facilitate 22,000 abortions. Now, the good news is that Abby Johnson one day saw the light, and the abortion facility is now closed but it's an incredibly harrowing tale of a young woman's mm-hmm. journey to find peace and mercy through Jesus Christ.
5: I agree with you, John. Go see this film. Yeah. Go see this film. I don't know
4: how long it's going to be around. It's yeah, been around for it. three weeks. You've got
5: to see it. I'm so unbelievably grateful that this film was made Me and too. that you can go out and see it and this story is being told.
4: Right. And I know a lot of people kind of go, well, I don't want to go see a Christian film because of X. I right? understand that. That bias. When underst- people have that bias. I
5: understand that. And there, I'm sure you could find fault with the film itself if you want to. But the story is the story. It's a true story. It is what it is. And it deserves to be seen.
4: Yeah. And it's well done. I mean, there's nothing cheese ball about it. You know, if you think, oh, well, I'm not going to, you know, p- poor writing, poor production values, bad acting. There's none of that in this movie mm-hmm. unplanned. It is a, a, a heartbreaking story. Redemption, well told and well produced.
5: Yeah. And I. When we talked about this film at the start of our four o'clock hour, and if you missed any of our show today, you can always find our podcast at iTunes or go to our website, com. The thing that I appreciated most about it was that there were no classic stereotypes, um, no tropes that I found in there. People are complex and situations are messy and nothing is, um, stra- is straightforward and tie. There's yeah. nothing like that. Um, Abby Johnson is, to me, um, difficult to understand. Or like. Or like for most of the film. Um, I love the fact that they did not make her likable. Mm. I love the fact that they decided to just let her be her. Um, I like the fact that there were pro-life protesters who were Jerky. absolute jerks. Um, that said awful things and that were embarrassing to the other people who were protesting because I have experienced that myself. Um, I like the fact that the people who worked at Planned Parenthood were human. Were trying. They're, it's not that they're all a bunch of evil people who are trying to kill babies. They're people who are trying to help women. Um, I disagree with the with the perspective they have on what it means to help women, but it doesn't mean that they should be treated with anything less than respect and care. Um, I, I felt like it was a real story. It had a lot of stuff in it that made you think, huh, I never looked at it that way.
4: Right. But There are several scenes, and we've talked about this before. It's ironic because a film about abortion receives an R rating. And why does it receive an R rating? Because they show an ultrasound of an abortion taking place. An
5: actual abortion. It's
4: not for the faint of heart, believe me. And it is heartbreaking to see. It truly is.
5: But listen, you need to see it. This is what is happening in our country. Don't turn your eyes away and act like you didn't know or you did. It. It is, you need to train your eyes upon it and you need to watch it because that is the truth. Yep. Don't so, hide from it. That's what it is.
4: So it's going to be around uh, hopefully for a while longer. As long as it continues to perform well enough at the box office, the theaters will continue to book the film. But at the, the, uh, the 1255 show, and no, you really can't go off that, 1255, there was Kath and I and two other people in the theater. So uh, it won't stick around if that's the you know the the box office totals for this week. Yes, yeah, so Let's while you can
5: go to see this film. Honor the story. Yep. Um, there are, I, I can't imagine how many stories could be told about women who have had an experience of Planned Parenthood, but you're not going to hear those stories unless you're working in a counseling facility with women, which I did for a long time. And so I know some of those stories. Mm-hmm. But if you will never be in that position, then go see this film so you can have an understanding of what's involved in this issue. And what's involved? It's not just babies, it's the lives of real women that are forever changed, forever changed when they walk in that door of an abortion facility.
4: Yep, And the, uh, the subject of that film, Abby Johnson, will be with us on Monday's show at 540. So we'll get to have a real conversation with Abby Johnson. We'll take a break and uh, come back in a few minutes. Uh, Austin Gon is with us. Uh, he is joining us from Bellevue, Bellevue Christian Church. And he's written a book called How St. Augustine, I'm sorry, A Restless Age, How St. Augustine Helps You Make Sense of Your 20s. August Gahn, stick around a few minutes.
11: WORD
3: Here's Dr. Charles Stanley.
1: Would you say that prayer is
9: a vital, integral part of your daily life? There is no way for Jesus Christ to be the center of my life in all practicality unless I am a praying man. There is no way.
3: Hear the series, Learning to Pray the Bible Way, this week on In Touch with Dr. Charles Stanley.
7: Tomorrow morning
6: at 8.30 on 101.5 WORD. If your family depends on your income and something happened to you, what would happen to them? You need life insurance, and SelectQuote can help you get it at a price you can afford.
10: SelectQuote found Jacob, 40, who's in excellent health, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for only $19 a month.
6: Not in perfect health?
10: That's 1-800-880-7474.
6: Select quote. We shop, you save.
10: Get full details on the example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your premium could vary depending on your health, issuing company, and other factors. Not available in all states.
6: Hey, Pittsburgh, this is Tun Chilkin for my good friends at Calusi Chevrolet. If you've been thinking about a new car, there's never been a better time to buy than right now. This month, only Calusi will give you $1,000 above Kelly Blue Book trade-in value on your current vehicle. Plus, you can save up to 20% off the MSRP on select Chevy Tracks and Equinox. So remember, you can buy with confidence knowing the team at Calusi has been serving Pittsburgh for over 100 years. Check them out at Calusi.com. Chevrolet. Find new roads. Hi, I'm Mike Ditkin. On the field, they called me Iron Mike. But some days, even Iron Mike can feel a little rusty. So
0: I turned to Blue Emu. Blue Emu's non-greasy, deep penetrating formula gets down deep for big time comfort. And more importantly, it doesn't leave me smelling like a locker room. Now, do you excuse me? I have some yelling to do.
2: You hit like old men. Blue emu. It works fast and you won't stink.
6: As soon as we're back out in our yard, yep, we get company. Dandelions, lurking crabgrass, and weak
7: thin grass. But Scott's Turf Builder Triple Action takes care of them all. Now with one bag, you can kill weeds, prevent crabgrass for up to four months, and feed for greener grass triple action so your lawn thrives guaranteed only from scott's weeds aren't welcome here this is a scott's yard pick up a bag of scott's triple action today
2: the market goes up and the market goes down, but one thing remains the same. Record low unemployment means there are still more job openings than people to fill them, and that means you have leverage. They're vying for your attention at WordFM's virtual job fair. Visit wordfm.com/virtual for great local companies ready to offer you an employment upgrade. Isn't it time you got a raise? The virtual job fair where many are called, but you are chosen at wordfm.com/virtual.
4: Hey, thanks for being with us. I, I can't imagine what it would be like to be a, a young person, a twenty-something in today's world. I mean, certainly it, it's much more complex. There's a lot more going on than uh, you know. I was there was uh, a lot going 20s. on when
5: you were twenty. I bet
4: <laughs> in a different style. Yeah, I don't know. Di- was a, from what I hear, there was a lot going
5: on. <laughs> what
10: years were you twenty, John? <laughs> what
13: years were? Uh, what years?
4: Yeah, uh, late seventies, late seventies. Okay, you know the Pirates won the World Series.
5: That's right. I think Saturday Night (laughs) Fever was in the theater. That's all I got. Okay, that's good. But there was a
4: lot. Without telling tales out of school, which I refuse to do. Austin Gahn is with us. Austin's a pastor of Bellevue Christian Church here in the city of Pittsburgh. He is uh, an MDiv student at Trinity School for Ministry. He's written a brand new book, which we love. It's called A Restless Age, How St. Augustine Helps You Make Sense of Your 20s.
13: Austin, welcome to the show. So glad to be here. Thanks for bringing me on. Our pleasure.
5: Austin, so let's set the stage for people who don't know anything about St. Augustine or Augustine, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Yeah, we might um, want to have that conversation Yeah, we'll, we'll first. talk about that, right? <laughs> um, would you say Augustine?
13: I'd say Augustine, but if you guys okay. were just going to go no. with Augustine, I was going to okay. roll with that.
5: I end up with Augustine, but then I was being, you know, I was being influenced by you, John, which Thank is you. not the first time.
13: You guys need to be your own people, <laughs> right? I, know. I understand. Be confident.
5: So, um, so you you start out the book by saying that if uh, Augustine had an Instagram, it would be awesome.
13: Yeah, he would have been crushing it. In
5: all the cool places.
13: Yeah, he lived in the most amazing cities of the Roman Empire all before he was 30. He had a long-term relationship. He has some some killer jobs. And all this was happening all throughout his 20s. And so again, if he had social media, oh it would gosh. have looked pretty legit.
5: Right, exactly. And people would have been very clinically depressed <laughs> if he was their friend, right? That would
13: have been the effect.
5: Um, but of course, if anyone's read his book, Confessions, which is mandatory reading for a lot of undergrads, um, whether even you're in theology or not. Just as a a point of history. He was a man absolutely filled with angst of all sorts. Talk about what troubled Augustine.
13: Yeah, the amazing thing about Augustine's Confessions for anybody who's never read it is it's basically him – trying to explain the landscape of his soul throughout his 20s. He's trying to make sense of himself and he's very thoughtful and so he's reflecting and he's writing about it. And throughout his 20s he experienced some devastating breakups. He tried to break some habits in his life mm-hmm. that for him was particularly it was lust and he he felt like he couldn't break free from that. He was in a job that was causing him anxiety, uh, crushing anxiety at one point he talks about, but yet he's sticking with it and he's trying to make progress in his career. He had friends who passed away. He had friends who were a bad influence on him. He tried to form new friends and struggled with that. And just a lot of the classic things that young adults go through he experienced in the fourth century. So it sounds
4: like America 2019.
13: Yeah, it's funny. If you just change some of the the place names and maybe some of the people's names in the book, it could could feel like it was ripped out of a modern memoir. Yes. Mm -hmm. So uh, Augustine says that sinful
4: habits tend to grow with us. I mean that's a fair assessment, right? Yeah. So the person you were when you were fifteen is amplified by the guy you are in your twenty when you are twenty five, and they're harder to strip away. I mean, once those sinful habits become part of your DNA in some ways, to to want to change that is a difficult process.
13: Yeah, there's a lot going on with habits from neuroscience, and then also how, how spirituality shapes that as well. And one of the things Augustine talks about, like, is in his teens he had started some habits that were seemed innocent enough, but as he grew into his 20s, they became less and less manageable. And then by the time he was at 30, they felt like they were impossible to break. There's actually a, a clinical psychologist named Meg Jay who talks about in your 20s, your brain is particularly plastic. It's very malleable. You can shape it. It's like wet cement. But as you move toward 30, it begins to harden and it begins to take a lot more work to change. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot going on as you're moving through your teens and ultimately into your 30s. Mm-hmm.
5: Talk about Augustine's uh, mom,
13: Monica. Yeah. Well, she was one of those moms. She's she's an amazing woman. First, let's put it that way. She's one of those moms who was praying for Augustine, who wanted Augustine to grow up to be a godly man. But in you know, and when she when Augustine was under her influence and in her home. You know, he was kind of following her rules, but as soon as he got free from that, he basically did whatever he wanted. But the whole time, Monica was praying for him, uh, asking the Lord to come through for him, asking the Lord to drag him back to himself. And ultimately, Augustine says that it was his mother's prayerful influence Mm -hmm. that was the thing that really brought him back.
5: So again, it's another timeless story, right? Yes. I mean, that could be, I bet you know moms like that right now.
13: Yeah. I talked to some recently who, you know, I I spent a lot of time working with young adults in ministry, but I also have spent time recently talking to parents of young adults who are worried about their young adults in their lives, wondering, are they making the right choices? Are the choices they're making now going to wreck their lives? And so they're working through a lot of the same stuff Mm -hmm. Monica was working through with Augustine.
4: Okay. So one of the differences between me growing up in the 70s as a 20-year-old and you growing up as a a 20-year-old is that social media of course is the boogeyman in the closet right that that it's all over the place and and that really defines people especially in their in their early 20s looking for love and you talk about this a lot in a restless age tell us uh, that story in your life about that looking for love and the augustine overlay
13: yeah, so for me, I f- a lot of people think I had it pretty easy cuz I I found love at what we call Bible College. And so it was me and lots of other Christians, mm-hmm. and so it seemed relatively easy and that's sure. where I, I met my my wife Julie. And you know, but in, when I left though, when I left when I entered into Bible College, apps were new. I didn't have an iPhone yet, but as I left college and came back to Pittsburgh and started w- working with young adults, one of the things I instantly noticed was that everybody was meeting via apps. And that was um, actually that now it feels like it's shifting back the other way where people are trying to meet in real life again. But when I came back, it was a whole new landscape for mm-hmm. how to meet a person, which creates a whole new level in, in, of anxiety. imagine sure. comes to right. trying to find someone. It was fir- like, you know, back, I don't know what it was like in the seventies, but you know, you, you married somebody that you had to meet in real life at some point, imagine um, or somebody, your parents knew right. or somebody who lived or went to your high school, things like that. But now it's, you know, it's endless soup and salad at the olive garden. It's just right. it never stops. There's, There's endless possibilities of people. And if you just keep swiping or if you keep looking, there might be somebody better just around the corner. Right. So it's Uh like
5: looking at, you know, Amazon for like backpack. And you can see the first 10, but then if you go to page two, you're going to find 10 more. And if you go to page three, you're going to find 10 more. And it just goes on and on and on and on. Yeah. Which just reveals, again, you know, the similarity between where we are now and where Augustine was, where our, the most famous quote, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Yes. Right, which is the the line that most people know from the book.
13: Yeah, and that comes right out of the opening page of Augustine's Confessions. And that's really what shapes my book as well is that – in the book, I talk about how we're on five basic young adult searches, searches for answers, habits, belonging, love, and work. And those are working with young adults. That's just kind of what I've pinpointed. And what I realized in rereading Augustine's Confessions is that those are universal in a sense, and mm-hmm. that they, you know, maybe some of the conditions change and some of the way culture influences that changes. But Augustine experienced those five searches as well. But what Augustine helps us see is that a lot of us were doing those searches for answers, habits, belonging, love, and work, and we're searching for rest. But Augustine says, actually, none of those things are going to give you rest, that you can only find rest in Christ, that if you're looking for rest in those things, a sense of joy, fulfillment that can't be taken away, you're never going to find it there. And But if you find rest in Christ, then you're free to enjoy love and work and belonging for what they are, rather than trying to make them into a God.
4: So that message to a 20-year-old, how is that received today? As you talk to, to young adults, or I mean— churched or, not, or unchurched are are young adults willing to even go into that road
13: I think the word restless tends to resonate I think mm-hmm. when a lot of people when you when you say the word restless or when I've I've asked people if you had to describe young adulthood in one word what you're feeling many of them have said the word restless and you know they don't know maybe the spiritual significance of that word or even there's this sense that I'm not finding what I'm looking for. Like I opened the book with that, that lyric from Bono and U two, which yeah. he wrote in his twenties. Yeah. I still haven't found what I'm looking for and I'm looking for it everywhere. Maybe they wouldn't call it rest, but that's how the Bible names that feeling of looking for something that you were made for looking to order your life around something that your life was designed uh, the, the way your life was designed. And I so see. people are looking for that. And restless is a word that sometimes comes to mind or it describes what they're trying to say.
4: So d- despite that restlessness, I mean, when you look at, I, I think, Christianity in the 21st century, especially in this media landscape, for, and for people who are unchurched, they look at us as believers in Christ oftentimes as outliers or hypocrites or frauds. What is that conversation like for you to look at the authentic Jesus and to bring that to people who are who are restless?
13: I think when it comes. Yes, that's again, that's how people perceive Christianity a lot. But yeah. I think this message breaks through. I think, you know, I think the, one of the reasons that Christianity is perceived that way is because there's a difference between what we say we believe and then how we act. Mm-hmm. And that often what you find is that we tend to still look for, even after we've claimed to find Christ, we still start looking for rest in all these other places. We have to come back to rest in Christ all the time. No matter whether you're in your 20s or your 30s or whether you were born in the 70s, you still have to come back and find rest in Christ. But I think what happens with Christians and the way we come across as frauds and hypocrites is we end up doing the same thing as everybody else. And we start looking for rest in work or rest in our love lives or rest in belonging and all these Mm -hmm. other sorts of things.
4: So in in the book, A Restless Age, you sort of give like a, a little primer of how to make your own confession.
13: Yeah. Tell us that. Well, this uh my dad, when he was attending Fuller seminary out in California, learned something called a sticky note timeline from a guy named Terry Wallen. He's a professor out there. And I adapted that with his permission for this book. Because what I realized is most people are not going to write a version of Augustine's confessions. Although it was very helpful for him to make sense of his twenties, if sure. I were to go to my young adults and say, I want you to go ahead and take, you know, three hundred, four hundred pages and try to understand your soul from the inside. Many of them would, would not I don't it's think daunting. any of them would attempt that. But if instead, let's say, let's take three hours, let's use some post-its, and let's go through the major events of your life. And let's just put them out and let's try to see them with post-its. And then let's see which of those events were negative, which were positive, And let's see if we can see where God was interacting with you. And maybe God was using a person or a circumstance to draw you toward himself. And you could, you could even do the same with Augustine's confessions. You could put the whole thing on post-its mm-hmm. if you wanted.
5: Right. Now, the thing that Augustine got because of his era and because he decided to write the kiss confessions down is that we recognize that he was a complicated person and that he had a lot of dark places um, that he didn't even understand himself and he was willing to put those down and to be known as the whole picture that's the problem with social media is that we don't let the whole picture out And, you know, all of the studies that have come out, many of which have been talked about in the last three or four days, about the rise in emergency room visits of kids between the ages of 12 and 25 who have suicidal thoughts has absolutely skyrocketed. And one of the things that kids are indicating in ER consultation is that they are overwhelmed with social media images of people that are happier than them, are prettier than them, are more successful than them, have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, are thinner than them. You know, it's all of this comparison. And I think, gosh, we're doing all of our, we do, we're just, we're doing all of us a disservice by not telling the real story of who we are.
13: Yeah, absolutely. The, one thing, the way social media works is when I, you know, just before this I was on Instagram waiting, waiting to come in here. Mm-hmm. And what I'm seeing is the best of somebody else's life. Right. Yes. And I'm comparing it in my mind to the worst of my yeah. own life. I mean, you know, that's something that you see that you're reading whenever you read about social media. Sure. That's the effect is you're seeing the best and you're comparing it to the worst. You've seen external things that look good, but you're knowing on the inside you're feeling bad and you're comparing that to what you're feeling. What Augustine's Confessions does so beautifully is it shows us Behi- the behind the scenes of a right. soul. It shows us, you know, for the people who are in emergency rooms with anxiety and depression and, and as suicide rates are climbing, I think we need Augustine's story. And I also think, that, I hope that it encourages, like we were talking about with the Post-it notes, yeah. to tell our stories, to say yeah. that, say to that see it. yeah, behind this filtered mm-hmm. Instagram photo, there's a real story and it's dark and there are weird places that it goes to. And I'm not proud of these things, but God is meeting us in those places. Right. There's, no, there's no place that's so dark that God yes. cannot meet. As the Christmas carol says, as far as the curse is found, Mm -hmm. God's God presses all the way in, Mm -hmm. um, but only if we're willing to go to those places with him.
4: So restlessness and then fulfillment. You tell a story uh, in uh, A Restless Age about your brief appearance on Conan O'Brien. It's a great story. Tell us.
13: Well that is that is quite the story. <laughs> uh, I did not know this was coming up today. I wasn't ready. <laughs>
5: you put it in the book it's, it's all out. This you is
13: ready? one of those stories that I let fade into the background and then it pops back up every couple of years. It's Conan so. O'Brien. But yeah. my brother and I were in a band called Rocket Me Nowhere. You can still find some of those clips mm-hmm. on on uh, on youtube social and, media yes and you can still find them he now has a band called giant line which is a worship band we've gone in a, he's gone in a new direction cool. since rocket me nowhere but he was an amazing songwriter and one time conan did a skit uh that uh, about a manatee and there was a whole website that came out of it and my brother was like let's write a song so he wrote a song he did all the work i just came along for the ride and then <laughs> basically we submit i was a junior in high school my brother mark submitted it to a producer a day later we got a call saying hey we have an open slot on on Thursday you guys are Wednesday you guys want to come out and we're like sure sounds good so How exciting. they flew us out we were on the Conan O'Brien show back when it was on NBC i think in 2007 and uh, i thought that was going to be my brush with fame i thought this is, mm-hmm. we're going to take off and literally no one cared so <laughs> no it was one. like, mm-hmm. there was a, I mean, our family cared, our grandmother cared, right. people right. cared. But right. but then you were
4: know, you at an airport and you thought somebody recognized you.
13: Yeah, we were pretty excited. We're sitting, you know, you know, I'm a high schooler. I placed my guitar near me so people would think I'm a big deal. Like, <laughs> sure. you know, Oh, like we'll go. And so these, these two people come and talk to us and we're pretty excited. We're like, oh, they, they saw us on the show for yeah. sure. We're going to autograph stuff. This is going to be fun. And they came over and. And we started a conversation, and we tried to tell them how we were on the show last night. And they're like, that's, that's interesting. We actually came over to show you that we were briefly in the crowd on MTV's TRL, and they showed us a tiny clip on their digital camera oh. of them in the crowd, ah. and they did not even care. And I think it's at that point that I realized that, mm. that maybe this is not, not, not what I thought it was going to be. Yes, sure. that fame
4: is mm-hmm. uh, fleeting, is it not? It is. Yeah. So there you are. Okay, now, how old are you now?
13: Uh, that's a good question. I'm 29, at least. I'd say at least 29. Mm-hmm.
4: So the 20s, you're by. I'm at gone the end. By. Yeah. So the, the parallel with Augustine, still you can hold that tight. I mean, his journey in many ways is most people's journeys, right? There's something that's holding us back or clutching us uh, in our desires. Where are you in that journey?
13: You know, I think one of the things I I talk about in the epilogue or the conclusion to the book is that restlessness is one of those things that sneaks up on you all the time. Yeah. and No matter what age you are. No matter what age you are. That's the reality. Mm -hmm. It's amplified in your 20s because of the searches you're on, but it's going to pop up in your 30s and your 40s and your 50s. And you constantly have to come back to say, no, my fulfillment, my joy, my stability, my peace is in Christ. You know, hearing Jesus in Matthew 11, chapter, verse, chapter 11, verse 28, come to me, mm-hmm. all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I have to hear that now. Yeah. You know, I had this sense that when this book came out, like, then I can be at rest, right? I've been working on this sure, book for a right. year. Then I can breathe. Then I can be at rest. But what I find out is, you know what? That's not true. There's more chapters to follow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got I to find rest in Christ. There will be highs and lows, but in the midst of that, my stability is in Christ. Very nice. Mm. Hey
4: Austin, uh, before you leave us, tell us about Bellevue Christian Church.
13: Bellevue Christian Church is right where it says it is. It's in Bellevue, Pennsylvania. I'm one of the pastors there. Right now we're preaching through a series called What Happens When You Die. You know, nothing <laughs> you know, nothing too lighthearted. Sure. But right. <laughs> as, we're, Come on as in. we're leading up to Easter and uh, so and it's a great church. I love that church. And I also want to mention Trinity School for Ministry. I know yeah. you guys have had our president on yeah. in the past. Sure. And it's an amazing school for those who are thinking about going further, becoming a pastor um, this is a, this school has been perfect for me. Even I'm not an Anglican, but I ended up there, and it's it's changed my life in some dramatic ways. Wonderful.
4: Well, listen, we really enjoyed the conversation, and uh, a restless age is an excellent work. So, kudos for all that.
13: Hey, thank you for bringing me on. Yeah, it's
4: mm-hmm. our great pleasure. Uh, Austin Gone, uh, a restless age: How Saint Augustine helps you make sense of your twenties.
3: Ads for beds stuffed into boxes are everywhere, thanks to
2: online mattress companies. But when you order a mattress from the Original Mattress Factory, it won't come shrink-wrapped and squeezed into a tiny box. It won't be dropped off on your porch by your mailman either. That's because our mattresses are hand-built right here in your hometown using American-made steel inner springs, cotton padding, and shock-absorbing box springs. You can't fit that kind of quality into a box. Purchase online at OriginalMattress.com or stop by one of our stores to see the original Mattress Factory difference for yourself.
1: This Easter, Breakthrough, starring Chrissy Metz. Boys, get off the ice! She's been underwater for 15 minutes. The odds were against her son. He's had no pulse for over an hour. Until his mother's prayer.
2: Please, Sandra, Holy spirit, to save my son.
1: Proved the impossible.
2: We've got a pulse!
1: On April 17th. I don't believe John will survive tonight. Discover the incredible true story.
2: You don't know my son.
1: Of an extraordinary miracle. He
6: is a fighter.
1: Breakthrough, Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. For tickets, go to BreakthroughMovie.com. Hey,
6: Pittsburgh. This is Chun Chilkin for my good friends at Calusi Chevrolet. Now during truck month, current GM lessees can save $11,490 off the MSRP on select 2018 Silverado pickups or take advantage of 0% APR financing for up to 72 months. Must qualify. You can buy with confidence knowing that the team at Calusi has been serving Pittsburgh for over 100 years. Check them out at Calusi.com, Chevrolet. Find new roads.
4: Word FM presents the Pittsburgh Prayer Conference. Thursday, May 2nd at 7 30 p.m. through Friday, May 3rd. Join Pastor John Guest and an expert panel of prayer warriors from RPTS, Geneva College, the Biblical Counseling Institute, Impact Christian Church, and more as we explore and grow in this vital gift and privilege to the church, featuring seven general and two breakout sessions. The Pittsburgh Prayer Conference, May 2nd and 3rd, at Christ Church at Grove Farm. Tickets and details at WordFM.com slash prayer.
5: This is Kathy Emmons. John and I are grateful for the encouragement we have from all of our advertisers and especially our friends at Grove City College. Thanks to everyone at Grove City for supporting the
11: ride home. Mostly cloudy but quite mild for tonight. The low 56 will stay rather cloudy tomorrow. Breezy and warm with a couple of showers and thunderstorms around through the early evening hours. The high tomorrow, 72 will turn out partly cloudy tomorrow night with a low of 50. Then for Saturday, a mix of clouds and sun, highs right around 70 degrees. With Iraqi weather forecast, I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle.
4: This day in history?
5: This day in history, 1947. The Brooklyn Dodgers' Jackie Robinson became the first African-American player to take the field for an MLB team playing in an exhibition game versus the hated Yankees. Mike, you want to play something for us?
9: Pee-wee left his position and walked over to mine while they were doing the riding, and he put his hand on my shoulder as if to say to them, go ahead and yell and say what you please. Uh, The only thing that matters as far as P.B. Reese is concerned is that uh, Jackie Robinson plays as well as he possibly can for the Brooklyn Baseball Club and that he conducts himself in a manner that makes him worthy of being a member of the team. Uh, Another instance was the time that the Philadelphia Phillies came into Brooklyn, and they were quite vicious with their uh, remarks, and they were all directed at me. But the fellows on the ball club resented this more than I think people realized. And the fact that the Phillies continued to ride me, I think brought our ball club much closer together.
4: So there's Jackie Robinson talking about his foray. I mean, Branch Rickey, uh, then of the, uh, the Brooklyn Dodgers, who was the, uh, the general manager, they, they sought someone like Jackie Robinson out, who had enormous talent, of course, but also had a temperament where they knew that Jackie Robinson was just going to suffer unrelenting abuse. Physical, verbal, psychological. And Branch Rickey had the wisdom to to see Jackie Robinson and go, this is the guy. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, it's well documented what happened to Jackie Robinson in those many, many years where he was just, for lack of a better word, he was tortured tortured uh, on a daily basis first by his teammates then by other players around the league and then of course always and it wouldn't matter almost until Jackie Robinson retired from baseball the fans just again and again and again poured epitaphs every curse imaginable on this poor man only because he was a black man in America who wanted to play baseball so God bless Jackie Robinson
5: and he wasn't getting rich while he was doing it was he
4: no, he no. wasn't. However, he did become a, a huge, of course, as you might imagine, hero in the African-American mm-hmm. community, and not that Jackie Robinson lived a life of a pauper. Um, he turned that uh, that celebrity and that notoriety into a good paycheck.
5: I wonder if Jackie Robinson could have possibly imagined no one. how much cash... Major League Baseball oh players gosh. would end up making in the 20s. I don't think century. anybody could imagine that. No, I don't think so no. either. All right, so while we're talking baseball, John, I have a couple little trivia questions for you. Oh, okay. Because I know trivia. you're a baseball lover. I am. You're the mm-hmm. one who caused me to love baseball, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so um, there are two teams, John, in Major League Baseball who've never, not a single time, ever been to the World Series. Yeah. And then there are seven teams who've never won. Okay. And I wondered if you could – you can you can decide where you want to start. I, you, I've
4: got a good handle on this. I do you? I've got a good Let's, handle on – Listen
5: how confident he is, Mike. I, I mean, good, what in the world?
4: On, on the seventeen. You did not
5: look – you did not use any internet modification of I, your story. I did
4: not, no, because you, you just – you told me this here that, um, mm-hmm. a few minutes ago. So yeah. I had a moment to sort of sit down and jot a few notes down. All right. So the seven teams who have uh, never, never won, won. – Okay. Uh, In no particular order, just because uh, of my addled brain, Uh, uh, the Milwaukee Brewers. That's correct. The um, Texas Rangers. Yes. The uh, Tampa Bay... Rays. Rays. Rays, Right. uh, The Seattle Mariners. Yes. The uh, Colorado Rockies. Wow.
5: You're good, yes. Only two more.
4: uh, The Washington Nationals. Right. Right. And the uh, the worst baseball uniforms in the history of the game, the San Diego I, Padres. I can't
5: believe you got them all. Oh.
4: Very nice. I felt pretty good about it. Because, you know, if you follow it long enough, you, you know who the losers were among the league. All now, right. The two teams that have never appeared in a World Series.
5: Never appeared.
4: Uh, this is just a wild guess. And I, I probably get this wrong. Uh, I would say the, the the Nationals.
5: Yes, you're correct.
4: Oh, good. And maybe the Mariners.
5: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the- Johnny. Okay. Man, dig it. Dig it. That's an A plus score. That is an A
4: plus score. Geez, hundred percent. Very nice. Okay. Now, I think I think it's the the team that's been around the longest. Although, um, you know, in baseball teams have switched cities, so right, I that lineage t- tends to follow them along. Like like the Nationals. Right. The
5: Nationals are new, but they're old because they were the Expos.
4: Exactly. Which I used to love the expos. Um, you know, the, uh, one of two Canadian baseball teams, mm-hmm. and they used to play the Pirates. And they would come into town and you say, oh, there's, there's Rusty Staub. And, 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 and you'd listen to the, uh, the, the, the expos on the radio, and Rusty Staub was known as the, Le Grand Orange. Because he the was. The Big Orange? Yes. Because that he was this seem big. seem like
5: that's a compliment?
4: He was a big red headed ball player. La Grande And so you would hear at their stadium, I forget what it was called. Expo. Exposition. Uh, that was,
5: that was, it was at, uh, the Olympic Park is where oh, they okay. played. Right. But I don't yeah. remember what the name of the stadium was.
4: No, I don't either. But, you know, you would hear, you would hear, like, when you would listen to the broad, the radio broadcast, especially, you would hear the, um, they would, they would announce the players' names in French and in English, which I always, you know, as a young kid, I That's thought that is cool. so cool. Yeah. Plus they had these little sort of weird Whirly Bird hats as well.
5: And now they have the presidents that run around the stadium, yeah, which, which is I do think fun. is very fun. I really I think like so it. too.
4: Yeah, yeah. And the Mariners, you know, it's just Seattle. So I think few people cared about baseball in the early days, although there was a rabid fan base.
5: Well, anyway, outstanding job. Thank you. John. Appreciate I appreciate it. I give you my, uh, my honor for that.
4: Excellent. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and come back. Frederica Matthews Green is with us. Yeah,
5: We're going to talk about the Orthodox Church coming up.
4: Holy Week is next week. Goodness gracious, we'll talk about that from an Orthodox perspective with Frederica.
11: O R D
7: playing Pittsburgh's favorite Christian music on the weekend with the best new music. New, new, music. new music from Jamie Kimbets, prize, prize worth fighting for. Bethel Music with "Raise a Hallelujah", Raise a hallelujah. and Ledger with "Completely." The best new music and Pittsburgh's favorites. Sponsored by Trinity Jewelers. 101.5 WORD on the weekend.
4: It's where the Sahara meets the Nile and the Mediterranean Sea. Only here exist the perfect conditions for growing the finest cotton in the world. I'm John Hall. Nowhere else can you find cotton so luxuriously soft and light, yet super strong and able to hold deep, vibrant colors, wash after wash. It's this very cotton Mike Lindell has used to create MyPillow's Giza Dreams bedsheets. Try them once, and you'll never want to sleep on anything else again. And right now, get a special 30% off MyPillow dream sheets with free shipping. Use promo code WORD when you call 800-391-0954 or place your order at MyPillow.com. 60-day money-back guarantee if you're not completely satisfied. Call 800-391-0954 or visit MyPillow.com and be sure to use promo code WORD for 30% off plus free shipping.
1: Sweet dreams from MyPillow. As a child, were you abused by a priest? The Pittsburgh Catholic Diocese has created a child abuse fund to compensate victims like you. but time is running out. Talk to Alan Parra right now. Call 412-281-1970 you'll need a Pittsburgh lawyer. And Alan Perer is the Pittsburgh lawyer who has handled over 100 cases of child abuse against the diocese. He has the experience to know how to get you maximum compensation. Don't settle for less. Submissions to the Diocese Child Abuse Fund are complex, and time is running out. Your chance to apply will be gone soon. There's no reason to let that happen. Call Alan Perra now, 412-281-1970, or Google the law firm of SPK. Your consultations will be free and confidential. Call Alan Perra right now. 412 281
6: 1970. Hi, this is Tud Shelkin. Join me and head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Mike Tomlin, Steelers players Vance McDonald and Stefan Toot, and pastors Brian Loretz and Ed Glover for Man Up Pittsburgh on Saturday, June 8th at Victory Family Church in Cranberry. Man Up is a day for all men to work on becoming the best godly leaders they can be. There'll be free food, fellowship, worship, powerful messages, and dynamic breakout sessions. From high schoolers to grandfathers, this is for you. Register today at manuppittsburgh.org. Hosted by Urban Impact and brought to you locally by Chick-fil-A of Pittsburgh. And now, a quick comparison from Grasshopper. When a client calls, what do you want them to hear? Your personal voicemail?
9: Hey, you've reached Greg's cell phone? Um, I'm away right now, <laughs> obviously. Uh, leave a message and maybe I'll get back to you. Or five
6: something five, a little five. more buttoned up, courtesy of Grasshopper.
9: Thanks for calling Green Landscaping. To make an appointment, dial 1. For billing, dial 2. To speak with Greg Smith, dial There's
6: three. no contest. Put your best voice forward with Grasshopper the virtual phone system for small business. Try it free at grasshopper.com.
4: Okay, so next week is Holy Week.
5: Yeah, Palm Sunday is this coming Sunday. Hard to
4: believe. I mean, I love this season so much, the Lenten season. Frederica Matthews Green is with us. She is an Orthodox Christian and always has a very unique perspective of the seasons that we follow through, especially from that Orthodox perspective. Uh, uh, Frederica is the author of several fine works, The Jesus Prayer, The Ancient Desert Prayer that tunes the, Turns the Heart to God. And her latest book is called Welcome to the Orthodox Church, An Introduction to Eastern Christianity. Frederica, welcome back. How are you?
5: Hi, John. Good to be with you again. Thank you. Frederica, it was funny because earlier in our show today, we were talking to Karen Swallow Pryor from Liberty University.
4: She and quoted
11: spo- you.
5: Spontaneously, she quoted you. Oh, my goodness.
14: Gosh, I think I first met her back in the early 90s. Which makes us both sound a lot older than we wanted to
5: sound. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she spoke glowingly of you, as of course we would as well. So she sends she sends along her uh, love and greetings. Now oh, you've been wonderful. you've been thinking and writing about Orthodox Easter, which I don't know anything about, Frederica. Now I, the only thing I think I know is that it doesn't happen at the same time as like the regular Easter. Yes,
14: it's about this time of year that we see that image from The Simpsons where everybody's celebrating Easter, and then they focus on a Greek Orthodox <laughs> priest holding a sign that says, this is our Palm Sunday.
5: Right. <laughs> Just to mess it up. <laughs>
14: so that's about all you know. Um, the, the reason it's different is it was way back in the 300s that the Church determined when they would observe Easter. And it's complicated. It has to be after the the vernal equinox, after May 21st. Hmm. It has to be after the first full moon after the vernal equinox, and so on, um, that the Western Church still follows that, that plan. The Eastern Church follows that plan, but because of the slip of uh, the centuries, the calendar, the vernal equinox is, is considered later. I see. Anyway, it often means we're one week behind, sometimes five weeks behind, sometimes on the same Sunday. This is one of those years where it's just one week behind.
4: I see. So there's something that you talk about, the Orthodox Easter, the Pascha service, yes?
14: Uh, it's pronounced Pascha. Pascha. Like the Paschal Lamb or the Paschal Sacrifice. Pascha is, um, the, it's derived um, from Passover, from the Jewish word for Passover. So it was still used as the term. It's just that the early Christians understood that Christ is our Passover who's been sacrificed for us. So it's an adaptation of the same term. I see. This is If you've never been to an Orthodox Easter service, I really think that every Christian should do this at least once. It's like going on the grand tour of Europe in two hours. <laughs> it's just overwhelming. There's so much going on for your eyes, for your ears, for your nose, the wonderful fragrances, and they're singing, 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 the service starts about 11:30 at night. So if you want to try it out, look in your local listings for Orthodox churches. Every Orthodox church does this the same. Doesn't matter if you're Romanian or Russian or really? Greek or whatever. Everybody does it the same because it's been the same ever since the 2nd, 3rd, 4th century.
4: Wow. So Saturday evening at 11:30, that's when well, the service begins.
14: That's for every that I know of, that's when they do it. Um, I guess sometimes there might be a place where they're in a rental space and they can't have it Saturday night, so they do it Sunday morning. But the general pattern is before uh, midnight on Saturday night, I see. usually about 11:30. And when you arrive, the church will be completely black dark. You can't see anything. There's just one or two candles up toward the front. and the choir is singing through a series of hymns, from the Old Testament, foreshadowing the victory of Christ. And then everybody gets a candle, and you walk outside the church, go once around the church, come back in, and now all the lights are on, and there are flowers everywhere, and everything is so joyous and so festive.
4: Wow. Mm. Yeah,
14: so it's it's quite an experience. And the thing that makes it even more par- powerful for Orthodox Christians is that we have seven weeks of Lent, and during that time, we do our best to keep a fast where we don't eat any meat, uh, no fish with backbones, we do eat like shrimp, and no dairy, which is the hardest part. You know, my first Lent, I thought, well, I'll just have macaroni and cheese, and then I found out, well, you don't have any cheese either. So, So you end up eating a vegan diet that is very much based on what people eat in the Middle East.
4: I see. So, um, so Federica, excuse me, so then the service that starts at 11.30, that goes on for how long? And is that the primary Easter service?
14: That is the primary Easter service. Wow. So if you, you know, you don't have to arrive at 11.30. You can come later because they'll be going through this until about 2 o'clock or 2.30. It's extremely festive, extremely joyous. And as the, um, the choir leads the congregation in worship... And it's more that, really, than the clergy leading the worship, it's just the choir singing continuously, and you join in and sing along as much as you want. And at the same time, the the clergy are saying, Christ is risen! And everybody in the room shouts back, indeed he is risen! And they shout that over and over in Russian, in Greek, in Albanian, we learned how to say it in Aleut at my, mm. in my previous church. And um, it, is, it is so thrilling, I think in part because the lead-up has been so intense. We've tried so hard to to keep this discipline, to pray more than we usually do. Hmm. There's been a lot more services. In fact, in Holy Week, there are, I think, nine services or 11 or something. It's like 30 hours in Holy Week alone wow. that you can attend. And those are some very powerful services, Friday night and Thursday night, um, Friday night, people actually stay in the church taking turns all night long reading the Gospels aloud. You start with Matthew mm-hmm. 1 and go through the end of John and back to Matthew 1, whatever it takes. And you sign up ahead of time for, you know, you want to do 2 o'clock to 3 o'clock or whatever.
4: It sounds fabulous. I, I want to do this yeah. so much.
5: Okay, so what, t- tell me about how the reading of the Gospels became tr- a tradition.
14: Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, I'm not sure when this tradition began, but it is universal among all um, all the different nationalities of Orthodox. The tradition is that when a person dies, their body is brought to the church. And there's a few prayers said then, but the body remains in the church all night long. And people come all night long and read the Psalms. So the Psalms are read over the body in a vigil, as if we're, keeping the body com- company for that night. Mm-hmm. And the funeral is the next morning. So I think it's connected with that custom for how um, how the body of a, a believer would be treated, that we treat the body of Jesus in the same way.
4: Outstanding. Well, I definitely want to do this, the Pascha service, the Easter service. Uh, Federica, thanks for this. You, I never knew anything about this until you joined us. I'm going to definitely seek this out on the Easter, the week after our Easter.
14: Mm, that's right. Yeah, this is uh, April the 28th is Pascha, so d- April 27th is that Saturday. And if I can add, if you feel a little intimidated, there's a monastery near Pittsburgh that streams all its services. So anywhere you can get YouTube, you look up Elwood City Chapel. Oh. Elwood City Chapel. That's two L's in Elwood. And you can just watch the Pascha service, you know, wherever you are and... You'll get into the swing of it,
4: I'm sure. That's fascinating. Frederica Matthews Green. Hey, just a reminder uh, I'll let you know that Frederica is featured in Faith Talk Magazine, which is a publication that we present here at Word FM. It'll be out in about a month or so, so look for Frederica there as well. But also, the the Jesus Prayer. And of course, uh, her latest book is called um, Welcome to the Orthodox Church An Introduction to Eastern Christianity. Frederica, my friend, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Frederica Matthews Green.
14: Just made me feel so comfortable And I've been going to her ever since
2: After avoiding the dentist for years An emergency led Pamela to Dr. Megan Stock
14: She made me feel very much at ease She didn't make me feel shameful About the condition of my teeth And she was just very easy to talk to
2: She not only found a dentist She found a friend
14: I am confident that when I'm finished That I'm going to have a bright beautiful smile Which I really wanted to have for a long time
2: Harry Highway in Wexford
4: At StockFamilyDentistry.com at extremetruck.net.
6: Right now, there are young people across the world facing a tough choice: continue their dream of education
2: or drop out to help their family put food on the table. You can help change their future
12: in a single moment. See how far your support can go at unbound.org.
5: So the masters is underway? I'm right now. Sh- yep. Right now. I'm not sure where we are. I know that um I know that, you know, it's, it starts at 10 in the morning and then it'll go, you know, Throughout the, as, as long as it takes. Uh, weather was good, as I remember hearing this morning, but again, that was very early and I was not able to follow along um, as uh, as the time went. But I'm super excited. I'm going to go home and eat some dinner and then watch the Bucks. And then while I'm watching the Bucks, I'm going to be recording uh, stuff from the Masters so wait, that I can wait. get updated.
4: Is it is it being broadcast now?
5: It's being broadcast right now. Really? Like
4: yeah. on the Golf Channel or something?
5: Uh, or an ESPN? One oh, of the, really? pro- no, ESPN. It'll probably carry it today. Tonight, though, I'll be watching the reruns on the Golf Channel.
4: I uh, see. I'm not going to catch it till Sunday. I'll come late to the party.
5: Why would you do that? Well,
4: just once everything's winded down. Oh, there's Mike. He's got a little. Uh, who's leading there, Mike? Yeah, because I can't Club read. Clubhouse leader is. Clubhouse leader is who?
5: Poulter. Okay, Ian Poulter. Ian Poulter. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, the American Kopka. Uh, Kepka.
11: Kepka, Thank you. Mm-hmm. Is
4: Tiger playing?
5: Tiger's playing. Yeah. Is he? Oh, yeah. Okay. Tiger will be playing. I mean, everybody plays for the first two days, and then it depends on who makes the cut. Oh, right, If you right, make it right. uh, Saturday it. and Sunday.
11: Okay.
5: Anyway, an interesting article in the Wall Street Journal today about the Augusta Golf Club, where the Masters uh, is taking and uh, takes place every year. That's hoity Um It says this. There are generally only two types of properties immediately around golf's most expensive club, the ones Augusta National has acquired and the ones it will acquire. Really? In the last 20 years, the club has spent around $200 million. <gasps> Dollars, buying more than 100 pieces of land. What?
4: What are they going to do with
13: all totalling that land?
5: Totaling no fewer than 270 acres. What
13: the To heck? further
5: insulate some of the most hallowed grounds in American sports. Wow.
4: That's big, are big you money. Are you kidding me? Okay. All right. Go Ricky Fowler. I'm going to uh, play some putt-putt in uh, commemoration of it. It's the, not bad. No. Let's get out there. And the Ride Home with John and Kathy,
1: a production of Salem Media Group